Yes, we're holding in Shmuel, Perek Zayn. And Shalana has heard about the qualities of David HaMelech, both in the simple Pshat and the Gemara explaining it about David's ability in Torah learning. Either way around, Shal is convinced. So you're holding my Pasuk test. And the Pasuk says, Vayishlach Shal Malachim al Yishai. So Shal sends messengers to Yishai. Vayayme Shilcha Elayis David bin Chashabatzai. That's very interesting because it doesn't say send me David your son, but rather David your son who's with the sheep, which means Shaul knew that aspect of David as well, even though it wasn't something that was told to him. He was just told about David's son who was either accomplished Tamil Chacham or according to Pshat, David's son who was a musician and a warrior. Either way, no one spoke about him being a shepherd. And you see, Shaul knew enough to say send me the son David from the sheep. How does Shaul know that? So it seems that before Shaul sent to Yisha, he investigated a bit more. And then he did his inquiries and he found out that who David was. Why does Shaul say that to Yisha? In Kamira, that there's a way to try and tell Yisha that it's like it is not like a son who's essential to whatever your affairs are, that you want, you will have a reason not to send him to me. He's watching the sheep, you can get someone else to watch sheep. So, so it was a way to, so to speak, speak to you, convince Yisha. To send David to Shaul. Shaul was also a shepherd before he came king. Shaul worked for his father. He wasn't. A, wasn't he, we don't see was after Shaul. Now, in Pasuk Chav, Vayikach Yishai Chamor Yishai took a donkey, lechem bread, benoid yain, and a flask of wine. Ogedi izim echad and a goat. Vayishach via David benoid Shaul. He sent them with David to Shaul. So obviously it's strange. What was the idea of? This gift that David, that Yisrael sent to Shaul. Firstly, why did he send anything? And also, why does the Navi explain exactly what the food was? Um, so, there's an Alshech, a fascinating Alshech. And that is, we know the story because the Nach told us what Shaul wanted and what he wanted David for. But Yisrael didn't know that. Yisrael was just got a message from the king, send your son David. And he had no idea what Shaul wanted from David. So, to know that Michelle was suffering these uh, times of Ruach Ra and needed a musician, and David was chosen to be the one to make the music for him, Yisha didn't know that. So what would Yisha naturally have thought? Well, David had just been anointed as a king, which is opposition to Shaul. And now Shaul sent a message, send me David. So he obviously thought, maybe Shaul is aware of something, maybe Shaul intends to punish David, or whatever it's going to be. Maybe there's a he knows something, that's why he dafka asked for David. Shaul never explains him why he wanted David. So, says the Al-Sheikh, so what does Yishai decide to do? What does Yishai decide to do? So, he sends him to Shaul with a gift of, or this with bread, a noid yain and a gedirizim. Bread, a noid flask of wine, and a gedirizim. So, Al-Sheikh explains something very interesting. And Al-Shaq said, Yisra was thinking to himself, what, what would be the reason that perhaps David would deserve to get punished by Shaul? And as if what his suspicion was true, and this was, and Shaul was calling in David to punish him or to neutralize him as a potential king, so Yisra was trying to think to himself, what could it be that, what could it be that uh, David would be, would be the onus that David would be being punished for? So, the Al-Sheikh says that the only thing Yisha could think of 
is that he didn't think David had done anything wrong, but maybe this was part of the punishment for the the, the story which happened with David's ancestry, Yishazon ancestry, many years before, the story of Yehuda and Tamar. The story of Yehuda and Tamar, maybe there was something that was wrong about that, and either from Tamar's point of view, which he did, or from Yehuda's point of view, what he did, and therefore, Yishai thought, as Lashem says, that uh, he has to do something to Nisakin, so to speak, the Mace of Yehuda and Tamar. Now, what was the Mace of Nisakin that? So, on the one hand, Firstly, what was uh, Yehuda's matter? We know he was the son of Yaakov. He was uh, chosen to be the one who would be the, so to speak, the, the beginning of the dynasty of the kings. What was Tamar's matter? That she was so desperate to make sure she'd be the mother of the royalty. So what's supposed to do Tamar? So we know that the Prophet tells us she was a vast Kayin. Who was the Kayin? Shane. Shane bin Leif was the Kayin, and the Torah calls him. And so then, if that's the case, so then Yishai wanted to say that what Tamar did to those fool Yehuda into being with her wasn't an Avera, it was this. She, was, uh, she had this chus that she deserved to be there. What was this chus you know about Shane? So it says, and I'll just bring the pasuk, that when Avram came back from the war against the four kings, and therefore the first thing Yishai sent was the lechem and the yain as a, so to speak, Reminds of the schus of Shein. And what is the other side of it? So when you heard a metamer, so Shamar says, what are you going to send me? So he said, I'll send you a goat. And that was the second thing he said, he sent the gdiizim. So this was meant to be a kapara, so to speak, on both Yehuda and Tamar. Whatever part of it, it might have, Yishai was thinking, might have been uh, something wrong. So that's why he, he brought these things as a remez to, to try and attack him. What was and this wasn't the card. It wasn't the card. And, and giving him the gift to Shaul wouldn't necessarily be a attacking Tafish Mike. So, what did the Ashraf mean? I don't know what. He understood that there was a certain way to Moira Rishos. And therefore, he's thinking about what the Rishos mean because the Moira of the good side of what happened, which wouldn't, look, which wouldn't uh, so to speak, look badly on the Maisa which, uh, through which Dabla Melech came about. And Shaul would have that? No, it wasn't Shaul, it was not Tafish Mike. This was meant to be like, so to speak, a protection for David that it wasn't a, there was a schus that was taken with him. Now the Emma says, when a person talk about this, and that is that the whole, you, you would imagine that the ancestry of David and Melech should be like Kamamish, the biggest Yachsanim in the world. You know, the, the ancestry of the king is like blue blood. It's like perfect, uh, the greatest every time. And you find it's 100% not like that. Uh, it started off with the whole city of and Tamar. And no, maybe earlier we can go to light, which was the, I mean, it wasn't earlier, it was a different line, but it eventually brought to the story of Rus. And then had Vaya's married Rus, was also a question, it was Mutu also. And then what we saw a question, there was a question of David's lineage, if it was his mother, was Nitzavis or somebody else. There was a whole, every stage of the way, there was a lot of uh, unclarity and uncertainty, and uh, even the question marks about the Yichus of David, and the Gemara points this out. And the Gemara then have a Malchus, Shein Kufr Shal Shratzim Tolim There's like a Kufr Shal Shratzim, so to speak, like a bag of worms, literally. In other words, a lot of uh, points which are scandal, whatever it is, points which aren't so good about the answer. Why is it like that? So the simple chat is, the simple chat is, there should be a Malgaiver. That's what Rashi says in the Gemara. 
if a person came from, you know, yichos, 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 like he is the greatest of the greatest of the great, like an uh, unblemished family so it'll just push him to be more of a bargainer. Whereas if you, even if he's the king, but he knows, you know, I can't say that I'm so so much of a, of a bargainer, because there's lots and lots of, uh, not such good things in my ancestry. So it actually brings to be a, that there's a, more of a reason for the king to be humble. That's a simple shot. I'll pick up on another point here as well. And that is, that's an amazing idea. And that is, if the Sultan had an interest in trying to fight and trying to destroy one family in Qal Yisrael, it would be the family of Mashiach. That's the one who's going to eventually have it be victorious over him. And if that's the case, of course, the Sultan is going to try his best to prevent that happening. It's not like the regular Jews who, so to speak, aren't, don't present as much of a threat, but Mashiach is his enemy. And we made that. If there's a way to try and thwart the the birth or the beginning of the of the train of Mashiach, so of course he's going to try to do that. And now here's an amazing point, and that is, so w- the way to prevent the Sultan interfering, so to speak, with the line of Mashiach, was that it would go through a way where he thought this is all in my court, this is all done the wrong way, this is all done through Esther, this is all done through things which aren't meant to be. So he's not going to try and attack that because he doesn't see that as being the seeds of greatness. And that's why Dafka, the, tra- the, the root to the Malthus, and the, so to speak, the ancestry of Mashiach, had to come through all the things which Satan wouldn't try and prevent because he sees it as being, so to speak, something Tomei, something which is bad, which is whether it's Lot and his daughters, and whether it's afterwards the story of Shulah and Tamar and how they got together, and then afterwards the story of Rus and the Muta and Atmuta, everything the whole way down was Something which Kira the Sultan wouldn't try to prevent because he sees this as being, so to speak, in his domain. And on that, the Pasuk says, Mi moitzi tar echot. The only one who can guide something through a path which looks like it's all Tomei and all bad, and nevertheless bring it to Tar is Hashem. And that's what Hashem did. He dafka, took the Tarimitame. He went the route of, of how the Malchus developed through the path of going the Sultan's route, of Tomei and his Avera and wherever else it might have been. And eventually, Hashem brought it back to Tyre again. And then the Sultan couldn't prevent that. So, that was another reason why there was so much, so to speak, uh, not, not, not glad and not straightforward about the ancestry of David Amalekh. Either way around, Isha was afraid that, like the Hashem says, that maybe it would be standing to David's discredit. And therefore, he wanted to bring a to the good points of what you heard in Tamar had, and that would be a source of fire for him. What happens next? So David comes to Shal, and he stands in front of Shal, Shal says so a away, sizes the map, and it's an amazing thing. Shal loves David very much, and he was originally chosen to be the musician. But after seeing David, Shal promotes him. And Vahidu Nasekadi, he became his personal weapon carrier. Now, that's a much more hush of a position. It's one thing to play chamber music in the hall, in the king's palace. It's another thing to accompany him to battle and be the one to hold his weapons. It means you're much more responsible for the protectors, like his bodyguards. You're much more responsible for the king's life. So, Shal sees in David, uh, he he finds him somebody who he can trust enough, and he loves him enough, he connects him enough. That he becomes his nice occasion. He becomes his personal bodyguard. And now, having met David, now Shaul sends a message back to Yeshai. Let David remain here with me. And it was before, and Shaul just asked to meet him. 
he went to, obviously wasn't going to offer David a job before he met him. But now having met David and being impressed by David, so now he asks Shkiyashai, let David remain with me. Let David remain with me, because Matzachan Vayna, and uh, here we see an example of what the Pasuk says, that Matzias Chayn, that what makes a person find favor in someone else's eyes is Minashamayn. That's Minashamayn, that Hachosh orchestrates when a person uh, finds favor in someone else's eyes. Because really, by, by, there's no reason, why would David find favor in Shal's eyes when perhaps he was the, the biggest threat to Shal? Obviously, Shal didn't know that. But nevertheless, HaKadosh Baruch orchestrates it, they should find favor in his eyes. And at the time, we see lots of times that in the Tanakh, and that is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, when it says someone is Matzachem Ve'enai, there's a certain element of Tzad Zishmai. It doesn't necessarily have to be like that, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu twisted things that a person should be find favor because that's what that, that serves Hashem's plan. Another example of this, and this is a Vilna Gaon, amazing idea. Amazing idea. It says, uh, the Gemara says about Esther, Amalka, that Achashverosh had a pick of all the girls of Paris and There was an endless procession of women that he could choose from. And he chose Esther. Well, why did he choose Esther? So one notion of the Gemara is she was the most beautiful. The other notion of the Gemara was Esther, she wasn't that pretty. She had a certain like even sickly t- uh, color to her skin. Ask the uh, Rabbi Shemini says that. Ask the Vilnagon in Kalilio. The Pasuk says that she was beautiful. That why would the Rabbi Shemini like take it out of its simple meaning and say that no, she wasn't beautiful. But it was a chutzal chesed. It was a kilo minashemayim that Kodesh Baruch orchestrated the chesed to like but he asked the So the first thing we see is exactly this point. To be matzachin comes from Hashem. And that is that the fact that Hashem orchestrated that Achashver should like Esther was not necessarily a given. It was something that he, 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 he planned like that, what Malachat tells you later, and that's why Hashem put you there. Now, even though. Yes, in Hashem. Uh, it's also a pasuk. It comes from Anakim. But wherever it is, that you say that sometimes even things which weren't a given that they should make sense, I thought the orchestrates. But nevertheless, Esther was beautiful. So the Goyen asks the question: Why would the Abishai Levi take the pasuk out of its simple meaning and say that she wasn't beautiful and needed an S? I mean, you, can, you have the basis for it that she was Matzachin was the Slang of Hashemai. But why, why, why do you need that? Why, why, why do you tell something like that? So the Goyen says something. Why can't he be a little bit more positive? Yeah, we're talking about it today, because why I say she's beautiful. So the Gaon says something earlier the Gaon would say, and he says, because it's another Gemara. It's a Gemara of Abbasia. And the Gemara has a 12-way arguments between the, Tana, between the Tanaim when the story of Yav happened. When the story of Yav happened. And, and Rabbi Shubin, in the Gemara of Abbasia, the Tanaim of says that Yav was in the Nechashverosh. It was in the time of Nechashverosh. Why? Because the last person in Eov says that after all the punishments Eov went through, so Hashem blessed him again. And Hashem gave him seven boys and three girls. And it says, There were no women as beautiful as those of Eov. So Rabbi Shubin later says in the Gemara, when would you have proved that? When was there a time they were looking to see who was the most beautiful girl that they, you said they wouldn't find more beautiful girls than Mos Eov? So he says that was the time of Cheshverosh, when they were trying to see who was the most beautiful girl. So it must be, but Eov lived in the time of Cheshverosh. Asks the guy, so that's the case. Why the Hashem choose one of them? 
If the Pasuk says, There was no girl more beautiful than the daughters of Eoch, and Achishvash is looking for the most beautiful girl, then she should win. So why did he choose Esther? He said, you have to say, because Esther wasn't the most beautiful, but it was a nice. So he said, once you have to say it was a nice, then you said she was beautiful once you Once you can't say this in Bupshat, because otherwise you wouldn't have chosen Esther either way around. Mm-hmm. So then you have to put her into the category of a nest as the guy. And if that's the okay, case, so you have no proof she was beautiful to start with. It was all a nest. Uh, which is a, again, it only takes a guy to put that kind of thing together, but unbelievable. But the, uh, but the idea I want to bring out of it is that she was, she was still Matzachin. Achashverosh didn't think I'm doing a, I'm doing a Maisa Tidkos. Achashverosh thought she was the most beautiful. That's why he took her. Why? She wasn't. Because Matzias Chen is something Hashem orchestrates when he wants somebody to like somebody, he sets it up. And it's the same thing over here. Bats and Barat Shal should have been suspicious of that. I mean, especially after Doi, it gives him the whole, uh, the whole thing beforehand, which is uh, against David. But nevertheless, Akkadish Baruchah had a reason why he wanted David to be in the palace, and he was Matzachet. That's the same idea that Akkadish Baruchah orchestrated. Now, what, it, what does it mean to find Chen in the... Okay, so that's the next Pasuk. Pasuk of B'yas Rech HaLekim Roshal. Every time the Rech HaLekim was on Shal, now, it's a bit strange, because we're talking now about the ruach of sadness, or depression, whatever you're going to call it, which is in Shal. And that's the ruach, well, it's not the ruach, like Adar, we said the other way around, and the ruach rock in the place of that. So we're talking there about ruach, like It's an interesting way of talking about the ruach rock. Adar, we're talking about the concept, like the Pasuk says uh, beforehand, in Pasuk says, well, which means they saw this as a punishment from Hashem. It wasn't, uh, we didn't say that Shal, that naturally you get, you're getting into these depressed moods. It's a punishment from Hashem that you, you, you that this is overtaking you, which is why they called it, Ruch Elohim, is Lashem Din. So, so whenever this spirit overcame Shal, David So David took the harp and played with his hands. And Shal was satisfied and he was happy again. Like we said beforehand, that music is more area of a person's nefesh, the simcha, and mimela that helped Shaul, and every time that the ruach ra affected him, so then David was able to uplift him again. Now, if we understand the ruach ra is something spiritual, not just he was feeling lonely, he was feeling depressed, but it was something spiritual, so how did playing music help it? So here there's something deep, and that is, it was Dafka David who could help him. And the reason is because David had the Ruach Hashem. The Ruach which was in Shal went to David. And when David would sing, he played to him. When he would sing, so Shal could feel the Ruach Hashem in it. And he made him, made him feel better again. But it wasn't because he got it, because he deserves it. David had it, and David deserved it. But when David would, uh, would, would play music and sing to him, so now Shal felt again the Ruach Hashem. So he, made, he felt full, he felt better. Beravach, it like filled him. Whereas what he was missing at Ruach Hashem, because he lost it, then he felt empty. And we made it, that's why Dafka David was able to help him, because it wasn't just the music. It was the fact that he could feel the Ruach HaKadosh again. Just he could feel it via David, rather than getting it directly. And why did Dafka come through music? HaKadosh, and by being with David, he could feel it also. So even as a person you say, that's why Shaul was by Yehovah Because he loved him so much, because he felt that David could provide something he was missing. He didn't yet have, but the reason why David had it is because that was his ruach of the king, which went to David, but he felt that with David, it gave him that, uh, that, that, that connection to that ruach Hashem, which he didn't have anymore himself. Okay. So that brings us to the 
first encounter of Shal and David, and now David's remaining in the palace to to be the one to accompany the king and to uh, play music for the king. And now the Navi shifts. Is David's growing? And now we go back to the broader picture of what's happening in Klai Yisrael, Perakizayin. Vayas v'plishtim es machanev nebuchom. V'plishtim gather for war. Now, this, the Plishtim had been destroyed in battle not very long before. Just remember that the whole reign of Shal was two years. And uh, in the end, beginning of the second year of Shal was when they had the war when Yerison went and, and was miraculously successful and they, they destroyed the Plishtim. And this is, I can't be too much later, it's a few months later, you see the Plishtim didn't give up, they were back again. They regathered their troops. And they come back to fight. They gathered in space of Yerubal Soichai. And they camped between uh, these two cities or these two places of Soichai and Azaiko, according to some of the means the name of a place, um, which means that was a place that's Rashi lands, that's what uh, the Shai lands and others as well. And so this, that there was a name of the place where they, where they were camped, where they were. In camp, um, the 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 Chazal learned Dimud from this lashon Efes Tamim. Not that it was just the name of a place. They wanted to learn from Efes Tamim that the, and we're going to see from the story that the Plishtim camped there, expecting not to have to kill anybody. Why? Because you're going to see that as opposed to most battles when they're just let's confront the battle and let's fight, here they're going to bring Goliath to the battle. And we're going to see Goliath challenges Kaisal. Don't fight the whole army. Bring one person, it'll be a one on one combat. And we made it, and whoever wins wins for the, on behalf of their country. So, like we're going to see in two second times what this is going to say. But if that's the case, so it's, it's not going to be, uh, uh, this is not expected to be a, a battle of country versus country. It was. Goliath versus whoever your your strong man is, and let's see who wins, and then whoever wins will machriya the battle. So that's why I didn't think it was going to be Ephes I didn't think it was going to be a place where it was going to be lots of bloodshed. It's one place Chazal says, another place they say that it's uh, the other way around. Ephes is a place where they were, were expecting to go to battle. Either way around, that was the, a different technique here that Plishtim used, rather than like make it an army versus an army, but rather make it an individual combat, one against one. So the Jewish army gathers on the other side, they're prepared to fight the Plishtim. So now they're facing each other. Plishtim on the one side of the mountain, Israel on the and the Jews on the other side of the mountain, there's a valley in between them. So the two armies are facing each other on two mountains, and the valley between them. Now we're going to see. Now, now we saw what's different about this battle to the others. A man, Habaynaim, we'll talk about Chazal, explain the word Habaynaim means. Simply uh, means the man from the inside. Now, someone from inside the Plishti camp, he steps forward. His name is Goyash from the Plishti city of Gas. He was six Amis and Mazaris is a handbreadth high, which is, we know, he's very tall. The average person is between three and four hours. So Goliath is an enormous person. And he has a, he wasn't just relying on his size or his strength. He was also very well armored. 
So he has a, a, a copper helmet, the Syrian Kaskasim or Davish, the Syrian Kaskasim is wearing body armor. In other words, like he used to wear this, like the whole chain armor. The Mishkan Assyrian and the weight of the, the chain he was wearing, the arm he was wearing, was Chameshis Adaf Mishkarim Nechashis. It's 5,000 kinds of also copper, which again shows his strength. He could like walk around with such a, a, a heavy coat of armor on him. When Mitzchas Nechashis Aragda, but not only was his body protected, but he also had sheets of Nechashis of copper protecting his legs. The Kila Nechashis doing seven, he had a, a copper sphere between his shoulders. Then the eight chanisay, and besides that, he, the, the wood of his of his spear, in other words, the shaft of the spear, kimnara argim, was like the weaver's pole. But I have his chanisay, the blade of the spear was sheishmir shkolim basil, was six hundred shkolim of basil. The noisy atzina that he had a, 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 a weapon carrier going in front of him. So Goyas looked very very formidable. With, uh, besides for his size, but also the way he was armed and the way in his weapons he had, so it was something which would definitely be in the battlefield where it's personal combat. He, he was very, very much of a force to reckon with. Now that's what the pasuk tells us about Goyas on a simple level, and that is his strength, his size, and his armor. Now, where, where did the Goyas come from? Isha Benai. Where did he come from? And what is it, Amigas? So unless we have Chazal. And Chazal tell us that we know that originally when Elimelech and his sons Machel and Kilion went to Mayak, so each of them had married. One of them married Rus, one of them married Arpa, and then after they both died, Rus and Naomi went to go back to Eretz Yisrael, and Rus and Arpa begin to go back with her, and on the way, Rus joins her, and Arpa kisses her goodbye and leaves. And now what happened to Arpa after that? So she became the mother of Goddess. It's a pasuk at the end of Shmuel Beis that which means Bas Arpa, that Goyas and two other giants who were his brothers were all his children of Arpa. Okay, how did she learn of giving birth to giants? So, and so what Chazal say is that on her journey home, uh, Arpa, from being from going with Nami, so she left Stabil and she came back home again. So she was caught on Baderich, and a uh, hundred men were designed with her, uh, the Lashon says. And therefore, Lashon, uh, Goyas was Isha Benayim, which means they don't know who his father was. It was between too many different people that no one, no one could identify who his father was. Why was that what happened to Arpa? Well, she did it was so bad. She went with Rus. Rus had got back, so she kissed and said goodbye and went back. Well, why would that be? Something which would cause uh, less set up such a mikshal. Would say in different words, what was so bad about Arpa that she deserved to be the mother of Goliath? Uh, that's the one. And then we see that there's a certain balance over here. Arpa and Rus were sisters. And what lands up is Arpa becomes the mother of Goliath. Rus becomes the great grandmother of David. And now they're both back together again to confront each other. So Rus, you understand this. What was so bad about Arpa? She might not have been a Tadakis, but she wasn't Bukhiv to come with. On the contrary, no, no, we convinced her to stay. She kissed her goodbye and left us close. Well, why, why would Arpa become, so to speak, the mother of the Rishus, of, 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 of Godless and his brothers? Um, and why did they make him into a giant? That's, uh, that, that's the questions on the ancestry of Godless. Yes, tomorrow we'll talk and we'll discuss the, what, what, what happened, so to speak, to, to make Arpa 
the, the mother of a Rosh Lakayas, and also what, why, why the Kayas deserve to become a giant. Well, what happened in his ancestry, the same thing, it made him, it made him so big. So.